Blog Talk Radio. Happy Tuesday, everybody. It's Zach Van Norman with the Once Upon a Fan podcast, bringing you our latest episode this week. This is podcast number 24, if you can believe that. So uh, pretty crazy that we're this far along in the podcast. I remember when it was just uh, just an idea floating around in people's heads. So yeah, um, welcome everybody to this week's episode. And of course, I'm joined by my regular co-host, Amy Hood. Hello, Amy, darling. Hello, darling. How are you? Doing fantastic. How are you? I'm fabulous. Got straight into the chat room. Been a good productive day of work. So yeah, doing good. I didn't accidentally kill any pig plants today, so that that was an good, added bonus good. for me. <laughs> good. That's always good. All right, so we just want to let everybody know that the chat room is open, and I see that there's already a couple of people in there. We've got a few guests, and I see Peter Pete's in there too, so hi to everybody who's in the chat room. We're going to issue our usual disclaimer that it sometimes takes a couple of page refreshes before the chat room opens for you. So if you log on to the website and you see that the chat room's not working, just give it a refresh or two. You should be able to see it in a second, because um, like I said, we've already got some folks in there. So looking forward to seeing everybody in the chat room and everybody's out of this week's episode. So let's get right on into it. We've got our weekly news roundup, of course, so we're going to, you know, start out with that. We've got some big news going on this weekend, lots of events that were happening in the Once Upon a Time universe. Let's start with the the biggest one of all, Josh Dallas and Jennifer Goodwin got married on Saturday, April 12th. Uh, it was Yay. a very small ceremony with about 30 people. Yes, indeed. Yay. I'm very happy for them. And, uh, yeah, so congratulations to the newlyweds. Um, I hope that you guys had an amazing wedding and an awesome honeymoon. And I wonder if they went to Disneyland because Jenny loves Disney so much. But, yeah, <laughs> and I know I'd want to do my honeymoon at Disneyland. So, yeah, for sure. All right. So, um, Amy, let, let, let me also have your thoughts on the fabulous wedding of Prince Charming and Snow White Darling. I think that it's wonderful. You know how I feel about the whole fairy tale couple. So happy for them. And now, you know, now we have the – bundle of joy is the next big step but I think it's really awesome that they were able to do kind of a small out of the limelight thing I haven't um, seen any pictures out I haven't of course you know I don't look for spoilers or paparazzi sites at all so there it's possible I missed but I was kind of relieved that there wasn't five million people trying to splash pictures of it up I felt like it was very respectful that people kind of let them have their moment and didn't try and jump in and do the whole paparazzi thing. So I hope that it was, you know, really great. And it sounds like they had, you know, family and just a few very close people. So I'm sure it was wonderful. Yeah. Um, very happy for them. Totally awesome. They're so adorable. So, yeah, congratulations to Josh Dallas and Jay for coming. And we've also had a couple of birthdays that happened over the uh, – the weekend and the beginning of the week, and I think Amy has those for us. Yes, we actually had two big birthdays. Jennifer Morrison's birthday was April 12th, and a lot of you are familiar around Twitter. There's a video going around that everyone's hoping to get to Jennifer to see. Uh, It was all thought up and put together by Marie, who uh, co-runs the Ugly Ducklings organization, which is, you know, Jen's Jen's fans are the Ugly Ducklings or fans of Emma Swan. But it's a really creative video. It's only a couple minutes long, but it's people from all over the world passing a paper around in different directions, and it all together puts together this really great 
inspirational thank you and happy birthday message. I know Zach participated, so our fabulous Zach is on there, and a couple people from our website, Sam, is on there. My son, I actually got to volunteer and do one of the papers, so he's on there. So there's, I saw it, and it came out wonderful, and we definitely wish Jen a happy birthday and hope she gets to see it. And the other big birthday was our very favorite dark one, Robert Carlyle. His birthday was April 14th, so this was a big Huge, huge week for birthdays. We saw a lot of Twitter activity around both of those. Yeah, um, just uh, obviously being a huge um, Ugly Duckling and fan of Jennifer Morrison's and Emma Swan, um, I wish a very hearty and, you know, happy, belated happy birthday to Jennifer Morrison. Um, I hope you had a great day. I wonder if she was at the wedding, actually. I I thought about that, too because I saw that she wasn't really tweeting anything on her birthday, and then, you know, it came out that Josh and Jenny had gotten married on, on her birthday, actually. So I wondered, I thought to myself, oh, wouldn't it have been so sweet if she had been, like, the flower girl and walked down the aisle, because she's, like, their Aww. daughter, kind <laughs> of. Like, wouldn't that be so sweet? I had thought like, about just, that, too, because you're right. She, there wasn't a lot of – she didn't do a lot of active tweeting on her birthday, and they got married on her birthday. So I had wondered if maybe that's why. Maybe she was busy you know, helping TV mom slash friends to, to prepare and just having a good day with them. But I'm not sure. Well, I'm sure we'll hear about it later down the road whenever they're ready to, you know, spill the details for the fans. Right. Very excited for that. And, yes, of course, happy birthday to Robert Carlisle as well. Really nice guy. Um, he's really, really nice to me when I met him last year. So happy birthday to both of you very much. All right, and then we've got WonderCon happening in Anaheim this weekend, actually, April 18th through the 20th. And normally we have some coverage going on of the major conventions, but this year we're saving our summertime coverage for um, San Diego Comic-Con because we figured that that's, you know, where everybody would really want some news from. So we don't have anybody going to WonderCon, but we are going to still have all of the news with Once Upon a Fan. So um, make sure that you stay tuned to Facebook and Twitter and the website for all that stuff because we're going to have some coverage there of everything that goes on you know, bringing you all the latest news as we normally do. So with that being said, that pretty – oh, you know what? Excuse me. There was one more birthday that happened that I forgot to mention, which is uh, Jamie Chung's birthday. Also a yes, yes, uh, that's right. Her, her birthday was um, – well, it's bygone. But, yeah, I can't I, – I had it in front of me and I was disappeared. But um, quickly I'm going to Google it. But, yeah, so we want to issue a happy birthday to Jamie Chung as well because she, you know, her birthday was April 10th. There we go. So um, it's her birthday, too. So happy birthday to Once Upon a Time's Mulan as well. Hope you had a great day. And let's see here. Um, so with that said, I um, want to let everybody know that next week on the podcast, of course, we're going to be discussing Bleeding Through, which is um, mm-hmm. this Sunday's episode of Once Upon a Time, and it's going to be dealing with, uh, you know, Cora, and we're seeing the birth of Zelina and that whole situation and how she was given up and things like that. Um, there have been some pictures that have been published by ABC, um, some kind of behind-the-scenes stuff and kind of, you know, the pictures of things going on in the episode. And there is there's a doozy. There are some pictures of Rose McGowan uh-huh. that out um, in a fabulous costume, if I don't make this on myself. Um, yeah, it's looking very Cora-like with her, with her hair and her posture. She looks very much like Cora does in, um, in The Stable Boy, actually. So couldn't help but notice that. Um, of course, it, I, normally I don't look um, as spoilers myself, but since it was on my Facebook page, I kind of couldn't help it. So, mm-hmm. 
But yeah, yeah I very saw excited. some of them. I saw the uh, I saw her uh, in that purple costume, which I thought was was great because it was almost it's not quite as grand as what we see her in when you know Regina's born, but it's certainly not her Miller daughter costume where she's working you know the mill grind either. So I'm really curious to see more of her history, and I'm glad that we're going to see her coming back in. I've been waiting for the episode with her for quite a while. I've kind of been, you know, counting down until we get there. And the promo just looks really interesting to me. Like, I was really excited by the promo. Yeah, me too. Um, I've been looking forward to this um, episode since they announced that Rose McGowan was coming back as, you know, young Cora. So I'm, I'm really excited to see what's going to be happening with this and to see you know, more history of uh, of Zelina because, um, you know, she demonstrated, just in her one scene she had in this week's episode, she demonstrated why she's so powerful, why she's such an incredible villain. Um, and maybe not in the ways that you might expect. It may not, uh, what I'm talking about doesn't necessarily have anything to do with the plot. So with that being said, that's actually a great way for us to move into the episode discussion. I also want to let everybody know, too, really, that um, the episode this week, our podcast is only going to be for one hour. And um, it will likely be that way for at least next, well, possibly for next week's episode. It depends on how much we have to talk about with bleeding through. So um, I imagine that we may run an hour and a half next week. But this week we're only doing an hour. Um, we, yeah, just because that's what we're doing right now. So uh, we'll keep you guys up to speed on whether or not that's going to be a regular thing um, or whether or not it's going to, you know, go back to being an hour and a half. We'll let you guys know. So this week's episode was... Um, it was a hook-centric. We had a lot of, you know, we had some flashbacks going on, and he was involved in the present-day storyline as well, um, you know, and interacting with a lot of different characters in a lot of different ways. Um, so overall, uh, Amy, I'm going to switch it up this week and ask you what your overall impression of the episode was first instead of giving mine, so go ahead. I actually kind of mixed on this episode. I liked it, but... There were some things that I had hoped for a little bit more from, and we'll talk about that when, you know, we get to those sections of the episode. But, I mean, I love Hook, and I think he's gorgeous and fabulous, but I had so wanted a little bit, you know, I hope there's more to the secret from his past. You know, I hope that wasn't it. So I'll just say that for right now until we get uh, a little bit further into the discussion. What did you think of this week's episode, Zach? Oh, boy. So, I'm just going to go on the record. Everybody, you all know, if you listen to this podcast or you know anything about Quantum then you know, I love this show. It's part of my being. It's part of my heart and soul. I love this show. It changed my life. I love this show. Having said that, I think this was probably the most boring episode of the entire season. Um, I was just really, really, like nothing really happened. Um, as far as what happened with Hook in the previous year, I just wasn't impressed. Um, I, I kind of like with what you're saying, I hope that there's more to come with that storyline, but also, you know, with the episodes that we have coming up and the amount of time that we have left and, you know, what we're going to be gearing towards as the, sh- you know, the show comes to its finale for the season, I'm not entirely sure that they're going to have time to resolve any of that stuff. Um, or maybe show any, any more of it, kind of like um, how they didn't really show any of uh, Hook and Pan's history when we were in Neverland, during the Neverland story. So right. um, 
I, I kind of feel like this is going to, I mean, this feels to me like the Oz storyline version of good form from the Neverland storyline. Um, both of the episodes are hook-centric and, you know, reveal a little bit more history about his character, but it's not necessarily history that you are expecting, which may or may not be a bad thing, depending on people's opinions. For my own personal opinion, I, I was just kind of, I was kind of bored with it. Um, you know, I, on the past, you know, in the podcast, we've talked really kind of in-depth about our love for Swanfire and Neil and, you know, wanting Emma and, and Neil to be together. And I think that that may have made it seem like I don't really like Hook as a character, but I always did try to at least say that. So I just want to make sure I do like Hook as a character. I think that he's cool. I've always loved Captain Hook. I just think that they're not doing very much with him right now. That at least not, not anything that interests me, me personally. There were other things that were happening in this episode that I thought were far more um, compelling than what we were seeing with Hook. That's just kind of my overall my, uh, my overall view of that. So what we're going to do is um, we're just going to go through uh, kind of what we did last week. We're going to go through the flashback storyline first, and then we're going to talk through the present-day storyline. Um, you know, in the past of the podcast, we go kind of back and forth chronologically through the episode as it happens. But that's kind of been a little bit more chaotic than we wanted, and so we're just trying to kind of hone it up and get it a little bit more organized so we can talk our points through a little bit more. So... Let's begin that discussion. Um, in the beginning of the episode this week, we have Hook and his, for lack of a better term, his merry men, uh -huh. um, you know, <laughs> robbing a carriage. And Hook is wearing some knight's armor, um, which I thought was kind of interesting that, you know, with the way that Hook's character is going, you know, how he's trying to be more of a hero than a villain, that, you know, I thought that the, the knight's armor was really kind of a good representation of that. So, um I really dug that. I thought it was pretty cool. I did too. I I did like. I thought that was a, a witty kind of scam that Hook and Smee had going on. I did like that part of seeing them in that part of his lost year that he and Smee were back together and kind of pulling the wool over people's eyes and you know still kind of pirating but more more really being a highwayman than than a pirate because. He has no ship, as we see in a few minutes. But, yeah, definitely. I, I thought that part was cute. Yeah. Um, I, and it was really kind of – it was funny when he, he was giving the toast in the bar, um, and he was saying, that, you know, at first he was, you know, the finest group of pirates who ever sailed, and then they laughed and said, whoever, you know, like kind of strode about the land. I thought that was really funny. Um, mm -hmm. I, that was yeah, that was just really, really amusing, and I, I just, I really dug it. So, yeah, thought that was pretty cool. And then, of course, um, Smee and you know the men, they decide that they're that they're going to get Hook, you know, kind of a gift, if you will. And um, uh -huh, yeah, <laughs> you know, they they got him a lady. Um, you know, I wonder, I want, and Amy, you know, what's so funny is when I, when I, he was leading her outside, I, I was like, oh, please let her say something like, do you want me to show you my larboard side? Something like that. Like something <laughs> from the Pirates of the Caribbean, right? I thought that would be so cool, like, but it didn't go that way. But I just thought it was really funny that Snee got hooked. I mean, essentially they got him a hooker. And I know. That, and that's what his fans are called, they're the hooker. <laughs> yeah, they're hookers. So I just thought that was pretty funny. Um, I couldn't help but notice that, you know, so I I thought it was great. <laughs> yes, I thought that was really cute. I love seeing Hook and Smee together. 
because I, you know what a huge Disney both of us are, and that original Peter Pan dynamic thing with Hook and Smee together, I think they're just funny. I love them in that. I love them on Once Upon a Time. So I was really excited to see them back together. And he's not around yeah, anymore, so, you know, yay him. Right. Uh, I like that, too. And what the other thing that I like about their relationship is that it's nice to see – it's nice to see a male friendship relationship on the show, to be honest. Um, it's one of the, that's one of the reasons why a couple of weeks ago I really liked it when Charming and Robin Hood, in, remember in the tower when they were having their interaction out in the armory? I really liked that scene for that reason because it was showing, you know, more male interaction, and I really wish that there was more of that on the show, to be honest. Um, more I'm glad that they had a lot of... No, well, not, yeah, well, bromance, you know, but also, like, showing, I mean, don't get me wrong, they've done a really good job of establishing the male characters on the show, but I think that they've yeah. really kind of outdone themselves more on the female characters, and I feel like they're, like, the guys need, you know, they need more, they need some action, you know what I mean? Like, they, right. need, they need some adventure, they need some more interaction, because when you watch Hook and Smee together, it really feels like some friends, you know, doesn't it? It feels like you're watching two friends who have known yeah. each other for a long time, and even though, you know, Hook says all this stuff to Smee, you know that Smee really knows how Hook is. So he's, you know, they're just buddies that way. And I just wish that there were more relationships like that between the male characters on the show. It's just something that, right. I, that I personally, would, you know, would like to see. So, um, so yeah. Um, so there's that. And then right after that is when Ariel attacks Hook in the flashback. Mm. So there was that. And then... Um. Yeah, <laughs> like that kind of kicked <laughs> off what's going on in the parallel, you know, in the in the present day storyline. So after Ariel attacks Hook, they're you know discussing the Jolly Roger and the fact that you know um, Prince Eric was taken captive, and she's at first she has you know she's the one who's kind of on the offense, and she's getting hooked, and then he flips it around on her, and he's got the knife to her throat, and they're discussing things and so forth. And Ariel has a knife, and it has on the handle a little logo that says um, BB. And, of course, we knew already going into the episode who it was going to be, but, of course, it ends up being Blackbeard. Um, and Not Bobby Brown? Yeah. Oh, no, it's not Bobby Brown, <laughs> unfortunately. Um, it's you know, and now, now, mind you, Hook does have his own prerogative now. So, you know, don't, like, he does have that. Um, it's his prerogative, whatever he wants to do. But, um, <laughs> but, but yeah, uh, it was it was not Bobby Brown. It was Blackbeard. And then Hook is, um, you know, he also talks about the ship with Smee, and he talks about it as though it's a woman, and you know that it's basically like Hook's way of um, talking about Emma. You know what I mean? Right. So, it's I mean, like he's displaced those feelings and kind of directed them at the ship. Exactly. Yeah. And then, so after that, of course, um, going on here, Hook, Ariel, and Smee, they leave to go look for Blackbeard. And Hook and Ariel have the conversation where he basically tells her that he'll always be a pirate, and she tells him that, you know, being good is not a bad thing, which I really like the fact that she said that. And I like the fact that they're keeping this Ariel really, like, spunky. Like, she's just really kind of, no, dude, like, it's totally cool, like, you know, I'm an, I'm an awesome person, and here's some awesome stuff in the world, and you need to learn about it. It's, you know what I mean? Like, 
that's just kind of how Ariel is. She really stands up for herself, and I like it a lot. I do, too. I like that she's not a watered-down version of of Ariel. I like that she's funky <laughs> and she has a fight. Yeah, watered, watered down. Okay, maybe she's only too little watered down because, you know, she's a mermaid. But um, I like that she's funky and she has fight and she doesn't just immediately give in and push over. Like, she's so little and cute. Like, you would expect her to be kind of meek, but she's not. She's very strong. She's very much what I would expect a redheaded Ariel you know, right out of the stories of the movie to be. I love her. I really like her a lot. Joanna Garcia Swisher, I love her performance. I've liked her really since, like, you know, the episode six of this season, when which was called Ariel, where we met her and, you know, Regina was Ursula and all that stuff. God, that seems like eons ago, doesn't it? Holy smokes. Yes. Okay. Um, yeah, what do you – God, I can't believe how long it's been. All right, so then after, you know, they have their conversation, they find Blackbeard and the Jolly Roger. Okay. So this brings us to our first discussion point, and um, I want to make sure that everybody in the chat room, we want to hear from your guys' opinion too, so feel free to chime in on this. Um, what did you guys think of the Once Upon a Time version of Blackbeard? And Amy, uh-huh. um, I'll start with you. What, do you. what did you think of Blackbeard? Well, you know, when we saw him in the promo last week, I immediately tweeted, oh, hey, look, Jack Sparrow and the animated Captain Hook from Disney's Peter Pan had a baby, and here he is. But I I loved him, and I feel like it was almost a waste that he had so little screen time. I love that the outfit was very much, very, I mean, it hearkened a lot to the classic Disney version of the Captain Hook, the red the big black hair, you know, I just, I love, yeah, other people are saying that they, they really liked him too in the chat room and that they expected him to be on longer. A lot of people have said they wish he had had more screen time, but I think he was an, an interesting addition. I just wish they could have done more with him because measure is really wonderful, but I loved and adored beyond words his, that costume. I thought it was just so classic Disney Captain Hook. I loved it. Yep, yep. I agree. That's what I thought, too. It was like Hook was, it's almost like he was battling himself. Um, Yes, the costume version. His animated version of himself. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. Um, I really like, for me, I really like Blackbeard. And, yeah, I want to address what everyone is saying in the chat room, too. So we've got people saying he's spicy. um, He needed a bigger beard. Um, he was too much like Jack Sparrow is what Sarah Benedict is saying that she was waiting for the savvy, which I kind of agree. Like I want either hook, I want a hook to say savvy at some point. Cause then at least like, or maybe like they could just offhand mention that like hook got some pirate artifact off some guy named Sparrow or something, you know, I just think that. Yes. Um, a lot of people, you know, saying that they really liked him. Um, I really liked him too. I just kind of feel like, here's how I feel about it. In the beginning, in, like, the first season of the show, whenever they had a new mm-hmm. character on, like, whenever they did a new storyline, you know, like Hansel and Gretel, for example, they, ha- they mm-hmm. appeared on screen for longer than what's happening right now. And I know that there's a lot of people who feel like, kind of like with Rapunzel, too, there were people who said that, you know, they wish they had been on screen longer, that they had been used more. And here's what I kind of feel about that now. The story and the characters are much more um, developed. They're much more complicated than they used to be in season one. And I think mm-hmm. that now 
by focusing more on the, the core characters like they've been doing in season three and keeping the other characters that they bring in as more of like, almost like an Easter egg appearance. I think that that mm-hmm. allows them to expand the world and include a lot of classic characters, but at the same time still keeping the show focused. And I think that they're right. doing a really good job with that, actually. That's just how I feel about it. So I'm, I'm, I'm glad that there wasn't a whole lot more to go with Blackbeard. Um, I do wish that, you know, because I like, you know, I wish there had been a little bit more to it than just he had Prince Eric held captive. Like, I was almost hoping that he was going to tell Hook and Ariel that Ursula had taken the prince at some point. You know what I mean? Like, the real Ursula, not Regina Ursula. So just so that we could kind of incorporate that in there and maybe not have their story kind of end so quickly, um, just okay. because I would kind of like to see, you know, it's kind of fun to imagine that, you know, somewhere in the background that we would know for sure that Ariel and Eric are battling Ursula somewhere, even if it's still back in the Enchanted Forest, you know what I mean? Although, right. yeah, just. I was just, you know, expecting something like that. But, yeah, that's, that is something really quick that I wanted to say. I also had a theory that Blackbeard was going to end up being um, Hook's dad. But then somebody okay. pointed out that maybe Hook's dad is Davy Jones. So, you know, I thought that, that would be pretty cool. I see that Sarah is, yeah, Sarah just said the same thing. So, yeah. Um, so that, I thought that would be pretty nifty if Davy, if Davy Jones ended up being Hook's dad, that would be a really cool thing, too. And in the same way that Blackbeard appeared, you know, we again, it's adding another classic character from literature that a lot of people know, and yet at the same right. time, it's still keeping, and keeping a family connection, but also still keeping the show focused. So, yeah. Um, so then after they have their sword fight, um, Hook and Blackbeard have a sword fight, which honestly, I just got to say really quick, that the sword fight and the whole, like, cutting, like, the sail down thing suddenly cut off the other crew members, like... Mm. They can't just use their swords to cut through it. Like, I don't know. It's just like, where did they go? But, yeah, um, so um, Hook wins the fight, but he has to give up the ship in order to find Eric for Ariel. And, um, you know, that's basically his choice. He can either kill Blackbeard and, you know, who is holding Eric hostage, and if he does so, then wherever Eric is will die with him. Or, you know, he can give up the Jolly Roger, and Blackbeard will, you know, basically tell him where he is. And Hook makes the decision to... Um, kill Blackbeard, feed him to the sharks, and, you know, go after, you know, just kind of go back to being a pirate's life on, on you know, the Jolly Roger and living his life that way. And uh, and then that was pretty much, you know, it. Um, you know, Ariel jumped in, and she keeps, you know, she's going to keep searching for Eric. Um, and I think it's really cool that mermaids can swim between realms, actually, because it's like the fact that, the fact that they're not using that heavily that's why I like it. Like, if it was a regular thing that they were now using all the time, I think I would hate it. But the fact that it's right. so spare, and it's only Ariel, she doesn't bring anybody with her, I, I love that. I think that that's pretty good. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Sarah, I think I so, too, question, because then I think I it would think start you... being too conveniently used. You know what I mean? It's, like, I, yes, exactly. I feel like the fact that it's sparingly is because, I mean, it would just really take away if, you know, they have an issue and, oh, all we have to do is find a mermaid and hop along. So I, that, I do agree. I like the sparingly used because then uh, it, otherwise it just kind of becomes a throwaway go-to. Exactly. Yeah, I agree with that. So um, so that's all, you know, basically what happened there. And then um, that kind of led into, you know, like the present-day storyline of what was happening. Like that's pretty much – 
the end, you know, that was the big reveal for Hook's, you know, well, at least for part of Hook's missing year. Um, yeah. It was, it was just boring. It was just boring. Like, I, I hope know that there's not something gonna... else, you know? Like, I hope that the whole, like, I have felt since season three started back up that Hook has obviously been hiding something. He almost seems like haunted and sad almost all the time. Like, even when he's talking to Emma, like, he knows something. Like, he knows he's got some horrible fate coming or that something's going on. And I really hope that this whole time he hasn't been haunted and feeling, you know, bummed out and everything because of this one thing, you know, his decision and taking back the Jolly Roger. Because I will be kind of disappointed if that's the whole reason that he's got this broody, sad thing going on because I don't feel like it's enough to do that. Now, I understand that twist in the story with Blackbeard because it kind of showed what they were trying to say this week, that you can't change, you know, you can't go back to your old life because that was his way of trying to go back to be a pirate. And obviously he did it because here he is again. So I understand the twist and the storyline. But I hope, like I said, that that is not the thing that has been causing him to feel broody and all this other stuff because I would be really bummed out if it we get to the end of the season and that's it. Yeah, I just I don't think that there's it's it just wasn't it didn't feel like it was enough like you said it's just it wasn't enough. There's I feel like there there had to have been more. I mean obviously it's a whole year of stuff that happened so it's not like that's the only thing that happened. And I know that obviously they have to show that because of what was happening in the present day storyline. You know what I mean with Zelina mm-hmm. and everything, but time it's like isn't there something else like please like can we get some other version of what happened like when, remember when they did the comic book they brought the comic book out that it has a story about you know graham and regina and snow and red can we get something like that for the stuff that's not happening you know like <laughs> right more things like i just i just want to know um because i just don't think that they developed hook good enough as a character like Honestly, when he makes a threat to somebody, I don't ever expect him to follow through on it because he never does. Like, he's just not threatening or scary to me. Because I also know that he is just a brooding guy and he loves Emma and he's trying to do the right thing now. There's no edge yeah. to his character the way there is to Rumpel. And, he's, and they're having the same struggle, you know what I mean? So I think that that's, right. that that's what it's for me personally. Um, I do want to get a third opinion on this, though. So hopefully, if this is all working correctly, I've got um, our... Once Upon a Fan staff member, Teresa Martin, on the line. Are you there, Teresa? Uh, yes, sir. How you doing? Hello, Teresa. Oh, <laughs> doing great. Um, yeah, I just wanted to uh, chime in um, about this episode. Um, I have, uh, I'm a fantastic uh, fan of Hook, and ever since he came on, he's been a very intriguing character. Um, and even though um, my first instinct was this story is boring, if you will, a little bit. The more I thought about it, it was more I just felt like something was just missing, like you were saying. Because in the previous Hook episodes, the ones that really, you know, hooked me and and others, it was tied up in something very compelling. And, and for example, with his showdown with Rumpel and uh, the connection to that story with Rumpelstiltskin getting revenge on the man that called him a coward and stealing his wife, the good 
form episode was also incredibly compelling uh, with the story of himself and his brother. It was breaking your heart, but it also tied right into the forward momentum of what was going on in Neverland where we were really worried about um, Charming because uh, Charming was going to die and that that flashback brought us to where Charming was going to go. And I think what happened with this episode was it didn't, the flashback didn't move forward what we were expecting to see. Last week we were all going nuts over, oh my gosh, Regina's given her heart to Robin Hood. Oh my gosh, she's try, Zelina's trying to do this horrible thing to Emma. And so logically, I had expected, again, that, wow, whatever's going to go on with Hook, it's going to be something that's really going to make us understand what's happening with that forward momentum. And by making it a very simple uh, backstory of Hook, where he, okay, he was worried about Ariel and, and Eric and talking about his ship. It wasn't something that was really what we were all thinking about all week and what we were all talking about online. We weren't talking about, oh, my gosh, I wonder if Ariel's going to find Eric or I wonder if he's going to choose his ship. It was about, oh, my gosh, what's going to happen now in Storybrooke. And, and I think that that's the slight place where it didn't quite connect. Because um, when you watch the episodes on their own merit as a flashback, it is kind of fun to see Ariel. I always love to see a good sword fight. I, I just like Hook. Hook could almost read the phone book for me. But that phone book has to connect with what we're worried about. And, um, and, and we didn't get that from the flashback. And, and so it was more of a, not that this was bad stuff, not that this was boring stuff. It was just it wasn't what we were expecting to see. And I think that that was kind of what uh, made us give pause. It made me give pause that I was like, wow, I really wanted to have what happened with Hook's backstory to just make me go, whoa, the same way I went, whoa, the, the last time uh, I've seen his episodes. And right. I think that's where, yeah, where it didn't quite uh, connect. Um, and it, I, think, I, I think we all really thought that we were going to see um, something that he did that was really either cold or some big sacrifice and uh, we didn't quite quite see that. And, and we were missing some of, of that connection. You know, I was thinking the whole time, and the, the casual viewers I was watching, what they were going, but what, what about Rumpelstiltskin and the knife? And, and so I, I, I think that that's where it just the momentum had slowed down. Because, you know, uh, Ariel gave a great performance. Um, and so, you know, hook with hook, that's who he is. Uh, now he's Mr. Bruder with his puppy dog eyes and he's complaining about that. So uh, that was, I think, where uh, it, it could have met a little better, which, in my opinion, takes it back to if you're going to have a flashback, make that flashback just mirror what's going on in Storybrooke in such a way that it gives us 
just a kind of an insight that makes us drop our jaws. That's what was um, missing in, in, in that particular backstory for me. Right. It wasn't. It Those definitely wasn't point, like a Lisa. huge shocker. Uh, I'm sorry. I was just oh, saying I'm, it was. You're right. There wasn't like any kind of jaw dropping shocker in the in the flashback. You know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and you know, Colin, um, you know, he he took the material that was given him, and you know, I thought did a, did a great job with it. I mean, he had us all sighing the whole way. But, you know, where's that guy that, uh, you know, shot Bell in the back? <laughs> you know, that, that he's a cold yeah. man. And, 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 and the Blackbeard, yeah, and the Blackbeard part, I, it was kind of distracting because Blackbeard being a real historical figure, and Maury, uh, our Maury wrote a fantastic um, history of this real man. And Blackbeard was, I mean, he was just, horrible and I mean he made Rumpelstiltskin look like Gandhi almost and and so and, and that also too is that they were really kind of hyping up this Blackbeard so we were expecting Blackbeard to come out and just be Blackbeard and um, and then he was gone so exactly uh, yes a really good Teresa and I think that you hit on something that is, that's a, that's a, that is exactly the point. The momentum of the stories that have been, as they've been progressing, was slowed down because this one took focus away from those. So I'm really glad that you made that point because that's you hit it right on the head. I think that's exactly what happened. So I'm I'm really glad that you that you shared that. Thank you very much for. Oh look, we've got somebody else. Sweet, we have somebody else who wants to talk about Hook. So Teresa, <laughs> I'm sorry to have to you actually, but if it's, if it's don't let's go for it. Have a nice evening. Bye. You too. Bye. Bye. All right, so I'm going to bring in the other person who's calling in. So if you are calling from a number that ends in 9756, we're about to be talking to you. Hi, you're with you once upon a podcast. Who's this? This is Lee Silver. How are you doing? I'm doing good. How are you doing? This is the first time, long time, or as we usually go. As the saying goes, <laughs> or actually not even long time, because I have, this is the first time actually, I think I might actually be listening to you guys. Anyway, I, I thought this episode uh, with, with Hook was like The Empire Strikes Back or Order of the Phoenix or um, even Temple of Doom, even though that, that's technically a prequel. And I just like I, I I I had a hard time just you know watching it and I I I should admit admit I am a Swanfire guy. I it was totally shocking the, the the death and all. I understand why they did it. I just don't understand. Besides the sixteen to thirty two year old females all you know screaming for it, why are they pushing this Captain Swan thing? And it's just really. Driving me, uh, when I watch <laughs> I know how you. <laughs> well, I've heard that from a lot of people, and like Zach and I have said before, and again, we might be wrong, but neither one of us feels like Neil is actually dead. And I have until we get to the end of the season, and he's still dead and gone, and no other character has died. I 
I still won't believe it. He's well, even Michael cast. Raymond James is listed in next week's uh, cast list. So. I believe that's in a flashback. So. Well, it could be. I still just don't think he's gone. <laughs> we'll see. I mean, the, the other people who have died, you, you didn't see their coffins, uh, mm. you know, in, in the ground thing. So I, I've, I've just, I and I understand why they did it. I just don't understand why they, they are pushing this hook. On it. I mean, it's just, it's just you want to, like, kill the character. But that's just me. You understand. <laughs> Well, it's not just you. I was I was one of the people who was really heavily pushing for the fact that it should be Hook who, you know, died this season in some kind of heroic sacrifice instead of Neil, and that's, you know, that's not the way it turned out. But you're yeah, not the only one who feels this way, for sure. Um, I just feel that, you know, if anything, is, If anything, uh, he has the chance to be Henry's step-grandfather and stepfather now, which is, you know... Really disgusting when you think about it. Yeah, that I don't know. It's a, really, is, it's a really complicated family tree, to be sure. Yeah. Yes. That's, 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 <laughs> not as complicated sure. as Neil was still alive, but still. We're going to get a whole yeah. comedy routine on that. <laughs> exactly. Anyhow. Well, Lee, well, we still have to get to the uh, to the present day storyline, and we've only got yeah. 20 minutes left doing a short show this week. But thank you very much so, for sharing your opinion. We appreciate it. Will do. Thank you. I'm going to go listen thank to you. the rest of you guys on the thing right now. Bye. All right. Bye. Have a good night. Bye. Yeah. All right. Thank you very much to Teresa and Lee for calling in and sharing your opinions. And for anybody else, if you ever want to call in, you know, um, this week or next week, we've, the number is 347-677-1653. Um, that may actually open up the possibility of extending the show to an hour and a half, like we were discussing earlier, because if you guys want to call in and start having more conversations, then we can keep the show going a little bit longer, you know, just past an hour. So um, just, you know, keep that in mind. So if you guys want to call in, again, the number is 347-677-1653. Um, we can't do any more callers tonight just because we have the shorter show. But, you know, uh, let us know in the chat room if you guys want to call in next week so we can plan out how long the uh, episode is going to be and we can schedule it accordingly. All right, so with that being said, we're going to get into the discussion of the present-day storyline that was happening in this week's episode. So it starts out with uh, Emma and Charming trying to assemble the crib, which was Hmm. hilarious because I don't know how many parents and times I have seen that very situation or been in it myself trying to assemble another piece of furniture. So um, yes. I just thought that it was great that they brought such a real-world thing to it. And when Snow was like, can we just call Marco, like, you know, basically Geppetto, like, he's really <laughs> good at this. Like, well, of course he is. He had to fashion all that other stuff in the Enchanted Forest out of nothing. So, yeah, I, I love that. I thought that it was really great. Yes. I wanted Marco to help. I miss Tony Amendola. He's so fantastic. I was like, yes, please, call Marco. That's like me every single Christmas with any time there was a toy that had to be assembled for the kids. I'm so not. I, I don't like to spend time on the directions. I don't like to ask for help. I just like to shove everything together, and rarely does that work. Yeah, I've, I've, I'm normally pretty good about it myself, but there's been a couple of times where I'm just like, you know, wait, what? Because it's like they give you parts that you don't need. And I'm like, why is this here? Did I miss a step? Like, was I supposed to put this somewhere? I don't understand what's happening. So 
Yeah, I can I can understand the pain there. And then, so, of course, in the episode, then Regina shows up, and she's just put a protection spell around that, you know, has nothing to do with blood magic, which, you know, is kind of a good thing when your sister is running around turning people into monkeys. And okay. she's decided that she, you know, she's going to teach Emma magic. And there's that great scene where she says that, you know, basically what's in the box, the magic in the box, is a way of life, and Emma has to commit to it. You know, I think that's awesome. Um, <laughs> and then she tells Emma to meet her at her vault in an hour, and then, of course, we go to... Hook and Smee talking out on the docks in Storybrooke, which um, I'm pretty sure, like, I am 99% sure that when I was up in um, Stevenson in March that Lori Hancock and Katrina Tan and my friend Melissa Rogers and myself all walked along the path, like, where they were filming. I'm, I am 99% positive that that happened. So, uh, yeah, it was kind of fun to be like, oh, I've, I've been there. Like, you know, it's just fun. I highly recommend if you, anybody ever has a chance to go to Vancouver, Canada and stop over in Steveston, do it. Um, it's a really quaint little little village and really nice people. And Vancouver is just gorgeous anyway. I mean, it's so beautiful out there. It's ridiculous. So highly recommend it. Anyways, having said that, um, Hook and Smear talking out on the docks. Emma shows up with Henry. Um who is, of course, wearing red, and Emma is also wearing red plaid, and, you know, I can't help but notice that there. Uh, there's also something that I noticed in the colors, you know, in my colors, ongoing color theory this week that was pointed out in the chat room, but I'm going to talk about it in just a second here, um, because it's what happened next. Charming and Snow find Ariel. First of all, Snow has on a red jacket, um, which, you know, one of Snow White's colors. And I'm not talking classic Snow White with, you know, the red bow and the yellow and blue dress. I'm talking Snow White with lips red as blood, skin as white as snow, and hair black as night, or, you know, black as ebony, or black as the raven, or whatever version you've read that you subscribe to the most. Um, so I, I, really, I really dug that. And then there were some umbrellas there, okay? Um, there were two umbrellas. There's a yellow one and there's a green one. And they were, like, covering up Ariel. Right, and then it's like the big reveal, and then you you know we see Ariel. Well, as we find out at the end of the episode, that wasn't really Ariel, that was Lena, mm-hmm. and Lena is green. And if you mix yellow and blue, you get green. Color the umbrellas. Everybody's savvy yes. on that. Uh-huh, savvy. I thought so, that was yeah. a cute touch, and I didn't catch it the first time that I watched it. I didn't catch it until the rewatch, but I loved it. Yeah, I liked it a lot. Um, just, you know, one of those little touches that I couldn't help but notice because I'm the color freak, like that kind of stuff. <laughs> so, yeah. And then after Charming and Snow find Ariel, you know, we see that Hook and Henry, after Emma dropped them off, you know, they're playing dice and, you know, they have a cool conversation about, you know, loaded dice and cheating and stuff like that. And then um, Charming and Snow introduce Hook to Ariel. And... You know, he, as we know from the flashback, he knows Ariel, but at this point in the episode, chronologically, we don't know what happened between them yet, just because, you know, exactly. Like, we know that she'd attacked him already, but yada, yada. Anyway. So then Regina and Emma are in um, Regina's vault. And she tells, Regina tells Emma not to touch anything, and then Emma picks up what looks like a four-fingered, scaly, dragon-looking glove. <laughs> um, yes. Isn't that what it looked like? I didn't. I couldn't really tell what it was at first. I was just like, "What is that?" It did look like a dragon's foot to me. That's what I thought it was. I mean, it was a small dragon, but it looked like a dragon's foot to me. 
Yeah, you know, I look like a dragon. Zelina can impersonate all the redheads. She'll be Merida next week. <laughs> you know, that, no I doubt. wonder when they'll bring, like, I really, like, I wonder if they'll bring in, you know, like, the Brave, since that's an original fairy tale from Pixar. Or, yeah, I wonder if they'll, or is it, was it Disney? No, it's Disney, isn't it? Yeah, I wonder if they'll ever do that. So then, um, so Regina, while they're down in the vault, she says, who's watching Henry, the Uncharming? Haha, uh-huh. loved it. Um, that mm-hmm. was hilarious. And then Regina grabs Cora's book of spells, which of course has the red heart on the cover. And when I saw that, it made me think of so many things because I was like, okay, that's Cora's book. Cora is Regina's mother. She's also Zelina's mother. She's the whole reason, really, why Zelina is attacking everybody because she was given up. Cora is also the Queen of Hearts. Queen of Hearts is the name of the episode where um, you know Cora tried to take Emma's heart and couldn't. That's where the first, you know, we saw Emma use magic for the first time. And then, of course, Zelina mm. is trying to stop Emma's magic from happening. And, you know, like, so it all was, like, interrelated just in that one second when I saw the book. All of that stuff, like, hit my brain all at once. It hurt, too. Right. Because um, it was just, yeah, there's just that. And then we've got Regina saying, so then Emma says, you know, when she shows her the book, she says, what language is this in Spanish? And Regina says, we're not making tapas, we're making magic. <laughs> So okay. Oh my. Oh my God. She was on fire this week. She has so many. Um. She yeah. She she had so many lines. Um. So then Regina tells Emma that the book is half elvish. But then I'm wondering like what's the other half? Like, is it in dwarf or something? Like, and not only that, but now mm-hmm. we have elves running around too. Like there are elves in the Once Upon a Time universe. Sweet. I'm down. Yeah. Um. I dig it. So then Regina figures out that Emma has to experience some real risk in order for, you know, her magic to come through because it's an instinctual thing. So then she poofs them to a kind of wooden rope bridge that's suspended over this huge, like, chasm. And there's a big, you know, there's like a rushing river rapids down there. And, you know, Regina starts to take the bridge apart using magic. And, you know, the planks all come off. And, you know, Emma's, like, holding on, you know, like, Basically, she's, you know, she's in trouble. Okay. So, meanwhile, Hook and Ariel are at Gold's shop while Snow and Charming are watching Henry, and they meet Belle and stuff like that. And um, Belle, you know, she helps them out at the pawn shop. Meanwhile, um, and she pours the locator spell potion thing on the, you know, on uh, Prince Eric's cape that Ariel has. Meanwhile, after Regina collapsed the bridge and Emma's, like, hanging there, like, on the ropes, you know, she drops. And she's basically telling Regina before that happens that she needs to stop it. You know, she needs to stop this from happening. And and, and Regina's basically like, no, you need to stop it. Like, you need to use your magic and do what I'm telling you. And uh, Mm -hmm. Emma falls, but, of course, her magic comes into play. And she assembles the bridge in this weird, like, kind of pile thing of, you know, the planks and stuff, and it floats her up to Regina. She says that it's instinctual, um, and she asks Regina why she's mad at her if, you know, just because she didn't do it her way, she still did magic, and what does it matter? And Regina tells her that she's mad at her not because she didn't do it the way she told her to, but because Emma has all this potential and she's wasting it. Let me tell you, that really hit home, like, pretty hard for me, just personally. Like, there's some stuff I've been slacking on. So uh, as soon as Regina said that, I was like, I need to get my head back in the game about some things. Like, she's <laughs> right. I've got a lot of potential. Like, I need to get, it's, you know, because 
anybody, if you're familiar with the website, if you're a longtime listener of the podcast, or if you're, you know, then you know this. But if you're a new listener to the podcast, I'm just going to say really quick, this show changed my life in many ways. It inspired me to go to college and a bunch of other stuff. So I take the lessons from this show very seriously. And, you know, using your full potential and taking the leap of faith and things are very important things to do. And I very much believe in them. So um, the fact that I've been slacking, this was kind of a nice wake-up call for me and now that I'm in college in the beginning of another quarter, it's kind of nice to have that kick in the head at the beginning rather than, you know, later on when there's nothing I can do. So there's always right. a lesson to be found, something, even a television show, everybody. So use that for what you will. So then um, Ariel and Hook follow the cloak, and the cloak, like, disappears into the water. Honestly, that was the point that I thought that Ursula had Charming hostage, be- or Charming, had Eric hostage because mm. – you know, it's, he's down in the water. Of course he is, because Evil Sea Witch has got him down there in her weird skeleton of some, like, kraken or something, whatever it is that Ursula lives in. Um, so, it's, it, you know, everybody thinks, you know, they think that, that Eric is dead, and it's very sad. Meanwhile, Charming decides to take Henry driving in what is probably oh one of the God. funniest I've ever seen on this show, really. Yeah, yeah. I love the scene where he took and him charming and the Regina and Emma scenes you were just talking about I agree with Peter in the chat room I feel like the Regina and Emma scenes were the strongest scenes of this episode I feel like that they kind of sold the show this week that you know the the whole learning magic and the dynamic between them I feel like that was great the cloak I just want to say because I forgot to mention it before I want that Ursula medallion (laughs) that was holding the cloak at the the neck piece. As soon as I saw that with Ursula, I was like, oh, my God, I want that. Yet another prop thing to add to the long, long list of things that I need. But, yeah, when when the cloak hit the water, I I started to think something was up because Ariel didn't jump in after it. At that point, I didn't think Eric was dead. I thought that either something was up or that he had, you know, somehow been turned into a mer person, but I, I didn't think that he was dead. Yeah, I, I'm, I want to talk about what Peter Pisa said in the chat room for just a second because that's actually what I was referring to at the towards the beginning of this episode of the podcast. Um, mm-hmm. That that those were the scenes that I found more compelling than what was going on with Hook. I feel that if you go back and you look at season one, really the driving force of season one, there were a couple of things, but one of the main things was the relationship between Regina and Emma. Granted, they were adversaries at the time, and it was the whole thing of is Emma going to break her curse? And, you know, there was, a lot of, there was a lot of weight built into that whole thing. And so when then it finally happened and stuff, it was like, holy smokes. But their relationship, no matter what it is, what scene it is, they have a certain, you know, there's just something about those two that it's a driving force to the show. And I felt like for something as important as Emma learning magic from Regina, from the woman who cast the curse and took her away from her parents, from the woman who terrorized her parents and murdered all these people, from the woman who has done all of these things, that that would have provided much more opportunity for, um, you know, allowing the characters to really feel their history for maybe Emma and Regina to have a back and forth about Regina's history and terrorizing her parents and casting the curse. Because uh, really, the one thing that I have not seen yet on the show and that I really hope that we get one day is Emma 
actually confronting Regina about what she did. Because even though she kind of did that in A Land Without Magic, because of the fact that Henry was in danger, they didn't have time to dwell on that kind of thing. They didn't have time to really get into any kind of an argument. And finally, I just even if it's not necessarily a fight or an argument, if it's just a calm discussion, I don't care. I want there to be some kind of acknowledgement at some point of, of Emma right. saying, you did this to me and my family. What the hell is wrong with you? Right? I, right. I want that. I want her to be directly confronted with what she's done. Or even if Emma doesn't confront her in that way, and maybe this will come more towards the end of the series as a whole, Regina needs to apologize and feel what she's done. She has to. I feel like that, that will really bring Regina's character arc full circle is when she apologizes to Snow and Charming and Emma and everybody for what she's done. Because remember she right. said in you know, the cricket game and the flashbacks that she felt no regret. She told Pan in that one episode where they're tied to the tree that she doesn't regret everything. I feel like that's what's going to really turn, you know, that's what will ultimately make Regina like a hero is when she acknowledges what she did and apologizes for it and takes responsibility for her actions. Um, mm-hmm. So, And I felt like the Emma and Regina storyline would have done a lot to maybe further that, or maybe not, maybe have Regina be more stubborn and say that she doesn't regret it or whatever, and maybe that would have been the argument that got Emma all pissed off, and that's when her magic would have appeared. You know what I mean? Like, it would mm-hmm. have had an opportunity to discuss history with real emotion, real consequences, and then also contributed to the plot. So that that was just kind of what my feeling was about it. So then, you know, um, well, we need to wrap this up. We've only got a couple more minutes left. Whew. So then after Charming takes Henry driving and, you know, all that stuff, Hook confesses to Ariel, you know, later on that he loves Emma. But, oh, Ariel is really Zelina, and she curses Hook's kiss and tells him to take away Emma's magic or everyone that Emma loves is going to die. Hey. Now, let me... Let me just say it, this. In this one scene that Zelina had, I felt, I felt threatened. I felt a little tense. I felt a little bit of uneasiness coming from her. Like, I would not mess with that woman in a million years. Mm-hmm. Like, there, because I know that I just know. I do not feel that way about Hook. And that kind of speaks to my earlier point. I just, mm-hmm. I don't, I just don't find him threatening. We only have a minute and a half left. Holy smokes. This should have been an hour and a half show, I guess. Maybe we just need to stick to the hour and a half format. Everybody in the chat room, let us know, because we need to wrap this up. So, yeah, she kisses his curse. Hunt goes back to the charming apartment. Regina confirms that mirror magic is a legitimate thing. Emma uses her magic to see into the enchanted forest and that Ariel and Eric are living happily ever after. Henry and Snowing show up, and, you know, Regina finds out that Henry's been driving. And she has the line of love, and she's like, as mayor, I can't let unlicensed underage drivers loose on the streets of Storybrooke. Like, the way that she said <laughs> that was just hilarious to me. I loved it. Um, then they go, you know, dinner at Granny's, and Henry's like, can I drive? And everybody's like, no. And then we see the scene of family <laughs> dinner at Granny's, where apparently the only thing that family eats is French fries. And what I love is that Snow and Regina are sitting, Snow and Regina are sitting right next to each other, and when Hook is looking through his spyglass, the neon says, and witch. Now, it's part of sandwich, but it's showing Emma, and she's magical, and she's a witch. And we have, like, five seconds left of the show. So um, Sarah is asking for another podcast later in the week. Uh, Sarah will post about that online. So that's pretty much it, everybody. Um, the show is over. So good night. Good night.
Oh, wait, we've got 10 seconds. Okay, so, yeah, we'll post on the Facebook page and on Twitter whether or not we're going to do a podcast later on in the week. Because we probably will, but I don't know yet. Okay, everybody, good night. That's really the end. Good night. Good night for real.